Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Father, I thank you this morning that because of the anointing, yokes are broken. Because of the anointing, there is good news preached to the poor. Because of the anointing, there is release to the captives. Because of the anointing, there is recovery of sight to the blind. Because of the anointing, those who are oppressed are set free. Because of the anointing, the favorable year of the Lord is proclaimed. Because of the anointing. And this morning, because the anointing is present in the room, we declare and we decree that the anointing breaks the yoke. We declare and decree today a day of breakthrough. Today we declare because, for the reason, since, by reason of the anointing, we declare in the name of Jesus, that the anointing is present in the room. Jesus is in the room. And we declare that the anointing is going to set the captive free today in the mighty name of Jesus because of the anointing. 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 anointing. We thank you, Father, this morning. It's in this room. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you lift up a shout of praise to the Lord? Why don't you lift up a shout? Hallelujah. Greg, I need a little bit more of my voice in the monitors. I need a little bit more of my voice in the monitors. Hallelujah. I want you to say this with me this morning. Because of the anointing. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good, Greg. Hallelujah. Because I was uh, in my studies this week just preparing for... Uh, this morning and and just before the Lord and as I was reading out of Luke four, I that word because stood out to me. And uh, have you ever asked someone a question and they just simply say because? Have you ever had that response before? Because, because, and it's a conjunction. It in in the English language it's a conjunction and it's on the front of your worship guide for that re, for the reason that. So when Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, it means this, for the reason that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
for the reason that Jesus is our patterned son. He gives us the example of how we are to live. He came as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit as a man in order to achieve supernatural results. As a man, he came and he showed the way of dependence upon his heavenly father to receive strength from God to live a life of an overcoming victorious life. For the reason that the spirit of the Lord is upon me for the reason that because say that word again, because. But he also came to fulfill a mission that God had given him to achieve on the earth. At the commencement of his ministry life is expressed the foundational and operational mode by which he would operate by the Spirit of God. He comes out of the wilderness. Listen, if you've been through a wilderness season, it is for a reason. Jesus is baptized in, in the scriptures, and the Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove, and, and the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, right? And then it says, and the Spirit led him into the wilderness. It wasn't the enemy that led him into the wilderness. I think some of us have been blaming the enemy on our wilderness season when it was the Spirit of God that led us out into the wilderness, into a season and a place of testing and trial so that there could be birthed in us an anointing to break the yoke. The wilderness is a preparation place to get us to the synagogue to declare the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Because, listen, the anointing isn't just so we can say you're anointed. The anointing is because, for the reason that. And so at the commencement of Jesus' public ministry, up until this point he had no public ministry, but at the commencement of his public ministry, he comes into the synagogue and he reads Isaiah and he would only do and say and see the things that the Father was doing. So that is how he operated, is by reason of the anointing, by in relationship with the Father, and he expressed this dependence on God the Father. And so by inference, we can see the potential that we could operate the same with dependence on the Father. And it starts with this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it starts with, in Acts 1.8, you shall receive what? Power from on high. Listen, I love speaking in tongues. Who loves speaking in tongues? I mean, I, I build up myself in the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. I can't go, I mean, people say, you know, well, why do you need to speak in tongues? I can't go to Walmart without speaking in tongues. I mean, let's just be real. And so I need the Holy Ghost. I need that. But the, the Holy Ghost didn't come to give you tongues. The Holy Ghost came to give you power. He didn't say here in, Isaiah, in reading Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me so that I can speak in tongues. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Now, I am not downplaying speaking in tongues. I believe it's essential for the believer. But that's a different message. But it starts with this, you shall receive power from high. It could have been written, you shall receive the Spirit of the Lord upon me, so induct us into the call. So do this, so do that. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... And what Jesus does here is He unfolds the details of the mission. We have a mission, church. We have a mandate. We have a call that the anointing is not just to make us feel good. It's not just to give us thrills and chills and Holy Ghost bumps. 
He now shows how it's outworked. He speaks of the operations of the Spirit of God that would work in him to achieve the missional focus of the kingdom of God coming. The kingdom of God was coming to set the captive free. The kingdom of God was coming to give recovery of sight to the blind. We're going to talk about that today. And and so it's to unfold in our lives the great mission of bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... It's essentially Jesus' mission statement here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for this reason. For this reason, I have come. And so he comes, and we have some bullet points in this passage that give us a mission for the reason. Because. See, when you bring Jesus Christ to that human brokenness, when you bring Jesus into situations, you're bringing the kingdom of God. That's why often it says in the scripture, the kingdom of God has come upon you when people would get healed. When you bring to the broken tragedy of the human life, when you bring Holy Spirit activity into their lives, there is this potential of them stepping out of their kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and into the kingdom of His dear Son. I want you to turn into your Bibles to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. I I love the book of Colossians. I love some of the language here. And in Colossians 1.9, uh, I want to read to you, and I want you to read with me, not out loud, but just read with me. Colossians 1.9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. All of this is according to his glorious power. I can't save a soul. In the words of Jack Coe, I couldn't heal a headache on a fly if I tried. It's according to His glorious power. And so Jesus shows up here and and He releases this, this mission of His own life, but it essentially was the mandate of the church. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. It's power. It's power to bring deliverance from the powers of darkness. And it's important to understand that you and I have received the Holy Spirit as believers in order to do something, and often more than we are currently doing if you're new to this. If you're new to the move of God, we'll welcome Don't put your seatbelt on. Just hold on and we're going somewhere. If you're new to the move of God, listen, God saved you because. You are saved because. You are empowered because. You are gifted because. You are led of the Spirit because. Everything is because there is a job to do. There is an eternal impacting mission to fulfill should you accept it. You didn't get saved just to go to heaven. You got saved to bring heaven. You got saved so that others could get saved. And I'm telling you, we want revival. We shout revival. This is revival. Revival is when dead things come to life. Revival is the manifested presence of Jesus. And I've come with a message to the equipping church this morning that because... It's simple. I know it feels real simple. But it really... We make it so complicated in our lives because we won't do the simple things. Because... 
by reason, for the reason that. The because is not about living a faith life for yourself, but living the faith life to serve others. So what is this because? Well, I'm going to give you some points this morning. The first is to preach the gospel to the poor. He says, the Spirit, let me read it to you, so you know I'm preaching from the Bible. He says, because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. In the Greek, that word means, that word gospel means the good news. He's sent me to preach or to announce the good news. To who? Who are the poor? Well, the Greek here denotes, it is not just poor in terms of worldly goods, but poor in terms of a person's utter spiritual destitution. Utter spiritual destitution. That in their absolute brokenness, He has sent us because of the anointing to proclaim to them, I've got good news for you, friend. I've got good news that your utter spiritual destitution can be transformed into something good. That God can take the brokenness of your life and He can make something good out of it. Isaiah 58, 7 says it this way in the King James Version. It is not to deal thy bread to the hungry that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Is this not what true poverty is really about? It's not just lacking in worldly goods, but it's the outcasts of society. It's the ones that everyone wants to reject. It's the ones that we wouldn't invite to our table. It's the ones that we wouldn't invite to, to be with us. It's, it's those who are despised by the normal people, somehow made to feel inferior. It's the lepers of society whose society places no value on. Those that a normal, healthy society don't accept, left to deteriorate on the sidewalks of life's journey. Those who are devoid of hope, the abused, the rejected, the despised. We have been anointed to reach those who otherwise would be rejected. We have been anointed to take those whom society has cast out and bring them into our house. We have an anointing to do this. We have been anointed. I can only reference to what I've seen in some of, of the outreaches that I've done. I told the story months ago about the time that I was in San Francisco walking down an alley and I saw a man sitting there and he was in a pool of his own urine. And the Lord said, sit next to him. And I'm fighting with the Lord on the inside. I don't want to. It's Easter Sunday. I'm on my way to church. I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to sit next to this guy. But as I sat next to him in the pool of his urine, God began to minister to him. To the point, and I won't tell you the whole story this morning, but he got delivered from drugs instantaneously. He sobered up instantaneously. He had been a top lawyer in the city of San Francisco who because of his drug addiction had left his family and his children. And for the first time in several years, he called his wife from my cell phone. She showed up in her beautiful Mercedes Benz all dressed up and says what do you want and he says I want to come home and she says but you abandoned us and there's a reconciliation and his wife and his kids got saved right there in an alleyway in San Francisco because the anointing is upon me to preach the good news to the destitute the anointing is upon me to reach to those who are outcast and pushed away those who are drugged out sitting in an alleyway somewhere waiting for you to walk by and say I've got good Good news. I have good news. Is
Is there somebody in the equipping church this morning who's got good news on the inside of them? Why don't you stand to your feet and shout for a couple minutes that you've got the good news and you've been anointed because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the good news to the broken. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed me because the anointing is upon me. I can preach the good news to the poor. Come on. We have an anointing to do this. And when you can be seated, when we reach across the racial, the social, the educational, and the family barriers, when we reach out to the hurting of our community, oh, what a special Holy Spirit activity begins to happen. It will begin to unfold for us because we have an anointing. Truly the poor that have been cast out. Truly an opportunity for you and I to participate in because. Say that this morning, because. And then it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. That word captives there in the Greek is where we get our idea of prisoners of war. He has sent me to proclaim release to the prisoners of war. We know that there is a battleground in the realm of the Spirit. Let me make it clear. It is not an equal battle. The enemy is not equal to God. I think sometimes we bought into a societal norm that it's good versus evil. It is not good versus evil. Good triumphed over evil 2,000 years ago at a bloody cross at Golgotha where Jesus led principalities on a public parade of shame. But let me tell you that the battle in the soul is real. That there is a wrestle. There is a, a place of captivity in the soul between the spirit and the flesh, between the Holy Spirit and between demon spirits. As in any war, people become captives. They become prisoners of this war. It's never pleasant. There's poor food. It's unsanitary. And it's often abusive. But when you begin to look at people through the eyes of the anointing, you begin to recognize they may look like they've got it all together on the outside. Side. But on the inside, they're a prisoner of a war that has kept them captive, abused, and hungry. But I've got the bread of life living on the inside of me. And the reality is that so many are prisoners of war to their own sufferings, to the demonic and spiritual bondages. Our because is to free them up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine sitting across from the banker. Imagine sitting across from the car salesman. Imagine sitting next to the coworker who looks like they've got it together on the outside, but on the inside they're a prisoner of war. But let me say something to you this morning. There are prisoners of war inside the church as well. Some of you have been so bound up for so long, but I've come this morning to proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come this morning to declare you're being rescued from your prison. You're being rescued because I've come and because of the anointing. So Jesus walks into a synagogue of religious leaders and he comes in to say to them, there's an anointing. Hallelujah. Take it, Hector. He comes in and he says, I've come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim release to the captives. Here were these religious Pharisees of the day. Here were these religious leaders all dressed up. They've got their big hoods on and they've got their, you know, all this, this regalia. And he says, you're captive. 
You're captive. You're a prisoner of war. But our because is to free them up by the power of the Spirit. He then goes on to say, and recovery of sight to the blind. Again, I love the Greek. I love the, 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 the inferences here because it's not just the blind being those blind physically, but those who are mentally and spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians three fifteen and 16. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to remove the veil off of people's eyes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to remove the veil from people's eyes. When you operate by the anointing, there's an anointing that breaks the veil. And once lifted, we can see from a totally different perspective because people are blinded. They're blinded by their sin, by their own pride, by forces outside of themselves. They are blinded by demonic principalities. They're blinded by generational curses. They're blinded by family norms. But I've come to say because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I'm proclaiming sight to the blind. Part of the Holy Spirit's Activity is to strip the veil over a person's heart away. And the impact is when sharing a person with or sharing a, sharing Christ with a person is that we begin to pray for the veil to be removed. Anytime that that I, I'm out witnessing, which honestly it's not a planned thing, it's often when I'm in Walmart or you know Sam's Club or a place like that. But my prayer almost on a daily basis is God lead me to someone today that can have the veil removed from their eyes. Because listen, you can preach to someone all day, but until the veil is removed, they won't hear. Then he says, to set free those who are oppressed. That word oppressed in the Greek, it means shattered, smitten through, broken in pieces. People have been shattered. They have been smitten. They've been broken in pieces by life, whether it be a divorce or broken family or failures in business or personal failures. And the problem is, is that if you, if I were to walk over and shatter that glass and it was broken in pieces, when it's shattered, it's now dangerous. Have you ever heard the phrase broken people, break people, hurt people, hurt people? See, shattered glass is dangerous. What once gave protection from the elements now becomes a weapon of pain. And if I take that broken shattered uh, shard of glass, it becomes a weapon like a knife. So now a person develops a dangerous edge in their life. Those who are oppressed have all these edges around their life that are dangerous. And so we get around them and they start to hurt us. But what does their hurting uh, cause us to recognize in our own life? Our own brokenness. I've got areas of openness where the enemy can puncture and to hurt. And so he comes and he says, I've come to set free the oppressed. Listen, when we, when we point out the brokenness in people's lives, it doesn't make it any better. I can tell someone all day, well, you've got this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. That's not going to make them better. They're aware of it. They're the one bleeding. They're bleeding all over. They're aware of it. But when I come with the anointing, when I come with the anointing, we can begin to work a miracle to set them free. We can begin to operate by reason of the anointing and see those who are oppressed brought back together. 
So many people walk around with fragments of their life just hanging off of them. They walk around with these pieces that have honestly long been forgotten because of the issues in their life. They, they don't realize that they're carrying the brokenness. But Jesus says, I've come to set the, free, set the oppressed free. Because. And then he says this. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This has such a prophetic nature to it. It seems to point to a greater day, a greater season. Next week I'm preaching uh, probably one of the most, uh, uh, just being honest, one of the most prophetic messages I've preached in a few years. Something that God's been birthing in me for for uh, about two months now. And I'll be preaching that next Sunday morning to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. But here's, here's the deal is that when we operate in the anointing, every year is the favorable year of the Lord. Every year is the acceptable year of the Lord. Because I've come with an anointing to someone's life to say, today it changes. Today becomes the favorable year of the Lord. Today. Now that doesn't always mean that circumstances change. But what begins to change is the inside. And I begin to view life differently. I don't view my life the way that it once was. I don't view my life through the brokenness that I had. I don't view my life through the blindness that what I once had. I begin to get, get an image of the Christ. The, 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 the high and lofty one. Like Isaiah described in that song we sang this morning. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. And all I could do was cry holy. All I could do was cry holy. You know, uh, the the Bible says this, and it's actually one of the most misquoted scriptures that we often use. How how many of you have ever heard it said that when one sinner gets saved, the angels rejoice? How many of you have ever heard that? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when a sinner gets saved, there is rejoicing in heaven where the angels are. Do you get the difference there? It means the Father stands up and He's the one rejoicing while the angels are looking at the Father crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. We've made it about the angels rejoicing when really it's the Father rejoicing that a sinner has come home. See, when I come and I proclaim the favorable year of the Lord to a person's life and I bring them into an encounter with the Lord, the Father stands up and He says, My son's come home. My daughter's come home. The Father rejoices. There's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner comes home because because the Father says, Yes, that's... That's why I came. That's my because. Because of that one, I went to the cross. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We live at such a low standard of Christianity because we're not living for the because. We're so self-consumed with our own issues and our own brokenness. Let me say to you, if you've repeated the same cycle over and over and over again, maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to come into an encounter with the Lord. Maybe you need to have your blinders taken off and then you can begin to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord to others. He comes to restore us back to hope. See, pessimism is such a terrible thing. And and listen, I, I, I lean that way. If I'm to be honest, I lean that way. Hector confronted me about that a while ago. I'm so thankful for Hector Ramos, this crazy Spanish man who tried to break windows at the church yesterday playing soccer with Kai. But he couldn't, he goes, you always see the glasses like empty, not even half empty, but like empty. (laughs) And it challenged me. And I began to say, okay, Lord, that's an area of brokenness in me. Deal with it. And the Lord began to show me some things that I had learned even as a little kid on how to view life. 
Well, my, see, my, my, my biological dad lived for a windfall. How many of you know what a windfall is? Someday that, that relative's going to die, and when that relative dies, then I'll get all my inheritance. Someday I'll get that. Well, my dad died never seeing it. Now, thankfully, he got saved two weeks before he died. Hallelujah. Thankful for that. Thankful that he's not in hell. I'm so thankful for that. But so many live in a, well, I'm not going to do anything because someday the windfall will come. And it creates inactivity around their life. And then it creates a pessimism. So then they view jobs and everything as this thing of, of evil. Well, I don't want to go do that because I've got a windfall coming. And it keeps them stuck. They live for another day. Pessimism keeps you out of the favorable year of the Lord. Pessimism keeps you in another day and out of the present day, so you actually never get to the next day. But Jesus comes and He says, I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So that what, where you were once despondent, you now have great hope. Where you once were pessimistic, you, be, you begin to view things in a different way. See, pessimism, it's, it's such a terrible thing. But the Holy Spirit restores the joy of anticipation toward greater revival, greater outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And here is Jesus' final conclusion in verse 21. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, what an absolute uh, attack to the religious mindset of that hour. What do you mean this is fulfilled today? You're not the Messiah. But that's what he was coming to say. The Spirit of the Lord, it's upon me. Jesus, Yeshua, you know, Joseph and Mary's son, the bastard child that all of you hate. Yep, that's me. I'm the Messiah. That's what he comes and he proclaims because he'd been to the wilderness. So many of us avoid our wilderness and we develop a pessimistic view of the wilderness that we actually never get to the anointing. We never get to the anointing because we get stuck in the wilderness. When Hector confronted me about that, <clears throat> I love picking on Hector. He just, he loves it. He just loves it. When Hector confronted me about that, I recognized I was avoiding the wilderness. I was avoiding a place that God wanted to take me into because there was something ahead of me. And I think we get stuck in our wilderness far too long because we don't want to deal with the things on the inside. We don't want to deal with those attitudes. And we all have them. Attitudes towards life. Attitudes towards God. Some of us need to repent for our attitudes towards God. Well, God didn't do what I wanted Him to do. He doesn't have to. He's God all by himself. When I got over the idea that God had to work the way I wanted him to work, see, some of these preachers will say, well, God has to do it because his word says it. Eh, I'd, I'd be careful. Job did that. Job challenged the character of God. Now, God will work with his word. Don't, don't hear me wrong this morning because I can feel the religious spirit starting to attack me. Feeling, well... The word of faith. Yes, it's the word of faith. Yes, Job 22 and 28 says, Decree a thing and it shall be established, and his light shall shine on all your ways. But I think the issue is, is that we often are decreeing a word out of a bitter spirit. We're decreeing something out of a bitterness towards God. Basically, how many of you have ever dealt with an upset child? Give me what I want. How many of you want to give that child what they want when they behave that way? 
you ain't getting nothing. As a matter of fact, you're going to go to better, bed without dinner. That's what's going to happen. And I think sometimes we operate out of that. We operate out of this bitterness of the soul. And so we come to God and we're trying to strong arm God and to do it. And what he's saying is, I'm not too concerned about that. What I want you to do is get an image of me. What I want you to do is come into a revelation of who I am. And when you begin to get a revelation of who I am as a good, good father, then you begin to recognize the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious face. And then what we begin to do is we begin to seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things start getting taken care of. I talked about yesterday in intercessory prayer how God was dealing with me over a fear of lack. And he was dealing with me over this fear of spending money. Now listen, I used to love to spend money. I'm going to be real. I used to love to spend money. I just enjoyed it. And then God began to deal with me about stewardship, and I went to the opposite side. Then I was on the, I'm not going to spend a penny. I, I would walk, I, I'm not kidding, I'm sharing some of my journey. The last few weeks, when I've had to go to Sam's Club to buy things for the church, it takes me extra long because I'm going, okay, well, that's two cents a thing for that, and that's two cents a thing for that. Okay, now let me check the app, and let me compare. Stewardship is good. Obsession is not. Ain't nobody got time to determine if each little square of toilet paper is going to be cheaper at Sam's or Costco or Walmart. At the end of the day, it gets flushed away anyway. But God began to deal with me about this fear of lack. So, so Greg had come and said, we really need this piece of, a sound, of sound equipment sitting right back there. Didn't the sound sound great this morning? It, it had a fuller sound during worship. Good job, Greg. So he comes to me and says, we, we need to do this. And so as a, as a church board, we got together and we we're talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And on the inside, I'm going, oh my gosh, we're going to spend this money. We had the money, okay? It's not an issue of lack. We had it. But there was an inner belief. If I do this, then we're going to miss out somewhere else. Okay, so here's where the enemy came to test me, all right? So I buy it, all right? Then I get a call from our insurance agent on the church. Your insurance has lapsed. Huh? What do you mean? I said, well, we never got the bill. Yeah, that's because you never sent proof that you had the roof replaced, so we're dropping you. Wait, wait, what? No, 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 no. I said, I have all the emails proving everything, and I did, because I keep a really good record of stuff. I said, I'll forward He goes, well, we're, you're going to have to appeal it. So then I start calling other places to find out in. And it was like four or five times the amount we pay with our normal insurance. And the enemy goes, see, you shouldn't have bought the speaker. See how the enemy works? God already had provision for the speaker so that the enemy comes to say, ah, see, you made a mistake. Shouldn't have done that. How many of us have ever dealt with that? It's an inner attitude. It's an inner belief system. Now, is the insurance thing solved yet? No, absolutely not. I don't know what's going to happen there. God's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. I have no doubt about that, but I had to deal with the inner belief system. I had to deal with an inner belief system, and, and God took me back to a time where I had made some unwise decisions. And I was allowing those unwise decisions to hang as a judgment over my head. So I had to break the judgments over my life and the judgments I'd made about myself, which were this. I don't know how to steward money. I make wrong decisions when purchasing things. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and I begin to break the lies off my life. 
So many of us get stuck in those judgments and in those lies in multiple areas of our life. It can be in our marriages and in our relationships. I'll never be good enough because. I'll never be the husband I need to be because. Or I'll never be the father I need to be because. I'll never be the employee or I'll never do this. My finances will never pro. And so we have these judgments that are hanging on the inside of us. But the Lord says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the favorable and acceptable year of the Lord. So I begin to prophesy over myself, God has given me favor. Now, if there's things that are blocking the favor, help me deal with it. Because often it's not the enemy, it's myself. And that's the hard one to deal with, y'all. Can we be real? It's easy to, I bind the spirit of lack in the name of Jesus. And then we look in the mirror and go, oh, wait. It's not a spirit of lack. It's the spirit of Jacob. <laughs> and we begin to deal with the things on the inside. And when we begin to deal with those things on the inside, we begin to get free. And we begin to recognize and view things through a different way. I started to have all this trepidation about traveling this week. I'll, I'll be in Florida for two days this week. I won't miss a Sunday, but I'll miss Wednesday. And I started to have all this fear come up. And I'm like, God, what? to the point that I'm like, I should just cancel the trip. I should just not go. Even though the Lord had already given me two messages for this church in Florida, Bishop Graham's church in, in Eustace, that I'll be at this week. God, but fear began to, well, if I go, then this is going to happen. This and. Oh, and people are going to leave the church if I'm gone on a Wednesday. Like, that's how extreme the enemy began. And so I, okay, God, what is this? Now, not navel-gazing. Let me make it clear. I don't spend my life looking inward going, what's wrong with me? Ain't nobody got time for that. But when I begin to recognize a pattern of pessimism, or I begin to recognize a pattern of, of bad beliefs, I then have to go, okay, God, search me and know me. What is it? What is it in me? that is keeping me bound. I don't spend my life demon hunting. I don't spend my life issue hunting. But what I do is I spend my life hunting after Jesus, and the closer I get to him, the more stuff comes up to the surface. The hotter the fire gets, the more that comes up to the surface. And so it becomes this process of, okay, the closer I get to Jesus, let's scoop the stuff off the top. Let's keep refining, keep getting that dross right off the top, keep separating the wheat from the chaff. And so Jesus, he says to them, this is fulfilled in your life. And so as I'm before the Lord about this whole travel thing, the Lord began to show me, well, you used to be out of balance. If anyone invited, you'd say yes, whether you prayed about it or not. And so I began to repent. Father, I repent for the times that I didn't listen to your voice. Father, I repent for the times that it was detrimental to the church. I repent for these things. All of a sudden, lifted. I was like, oh, I have a grace to go. Okay, great. But so many times we get locked in a wilderness because we don't want to face the things. When the enemy came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus didn't war in his flesh. He warred with the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when we begin to face these things in our life, and I, I'm saying this this morning, because God wants to use you because of the anointing. He wants to give you encounters with people to lead them into the freedom of Jesus. Someone asked me the other day, why don't you think we see more miracles in the church? And before I could even respond, this came out of my mouth, because we don't see enough miracles in the streets. And I went, well, let me work that one out. 
What are you saying there, God? And the Lord began to show me. He said, the church has become so inward focused on having miracles inside the church, we forgot there's a world out there that needs miracles. And as Jesus went, many were healed. We rarely see him praying for his disciples for miracles. And I think we've kind of lowered the standard. And I think a lot of it, we talk about the healing revivals of the 40s and 50s on Wednesday night. A lot of our belief systems about healings came out of that where we had to gather to see miracles inside a place. And there had to be a man of God who did the miracles. And it created this celebrity Christianity that I think God's dealing with in this hour, that he wants to raise up the ministry of the priesthood, the believer, priesthood of all believers. These signs shall follow those who believe. And so God wants to do those miracles through us on the streets, in our workplaces, in in Walmart, in Target. I mean, I've seen a woman raised from the dead in Walmart. Come on. Like, how many of you want to see someone raised from the dead in Walmart? Come on. I was walking down an aisle, and, and the, I heard this woman go, Susan! And I was like, oh, wow. And so, you know, I peeked, not really wanting to look, to be honest. And this woman in one of those uh, motorized carts is killed over, blue in the face. I mean, just blue as blue could get. I run over, no pulse. She's not breathing. And the lady's going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I'm going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) And so I just, in the name of Jesus, Susan, you shall live. And she goes, "Ah, who are you? (laughs) And I said, my name is Jacob. I'm a believer in Jesus. She goes, me too. I said, great. I said, well, I think you just died. She goes, oh, I think I had a heart attack. I said, well, you may have. I said, but you're alive now. She goes, oh, thank you. Thank you. Are you an angel? I said, no, definitely not. I said, I'm just a follower of Jesus. I said, you said, you know, Jesus? She goes, oh, yes, I have a great relationship with Jesus. I said, well, wonderful. And her sister is standing there going, I don't believe in Jesus. I said, well, would you like to? She goes, no, I'm good. And I'm thinking, you just saw this woman get raised, your sister get raised from the dead and you don't want to get saved yet? And that's just the reality. I wasn't there for the sister right then. I was there, so Susan didn't die. I mean, she did die, but she didn't. You know, you get get it. And so some people are ready for the gospel. Some are not. But there were seeds sown into the sister's life right then when God raised her sister from the dead. That will not leave her. I can guarantee you she will always remember the crazy guy who ran up and punched her sister in the chest and said, "Jesus, in the name of Jesus, live. And so... It's, it's this whole idea, God wants to move through you because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. But we hold ourselves back because we have those areas in our life. And if we'll begin to deal with those areas in our life, we'll begin to see that there's greater anointing, there's greater freedom. And I mean, what a moment as the reality of what Jesus was saying sinks in. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your healing. As I start to close this morning, What would it look like if that scripture was fulfilled in your life? In your families? And that doesn't mean we need to beat people up with the gospel. Jesus simply did life. Like, like that's literally what Jesus did. He just did what he saw the Father doing. Okay, we're going to go to Capernaum today. Okay, I'm going to just walk a few miles across the water to get to the disciples who went on ahead of me. 
I mean, do you get that? It wasn't like a short walk off the shore. Jesus was like two or three miles out onto the sea when he met the disciples out there. Like that's a long walk on water. That's a long swim. You just, you just go out and see the disciples. Normal life. But what would it look like if in our life the because began to happen? What would that look like if we begin to operate in the anointing because we recognize that the Spirit of the Lord was upon us. Jesus says to his disciples, you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, what a moment in history. What a moment in history. He had just announced the definitions of his earthly ministry. He had just announced them. I'm going to read them to you one more time. And then I want you to stand. Why don't you stand as I read it over you? He opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Hear that this morning, church? The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www dot equipping church dot us